All right, well, we are going to be in Daniel chapter 5 this morning. Um, we are going to be talking about um, how, how we operate in times of crisis, how we operate in times of crisis, and specifically the sermon title this morning, um, I'm just simply calling this Character in Crisis, Character in Crisis. All right, let's pray and just one more time invite the Lord to come and speak to us through the life of Daniel and through, through these stories that, that we might receive a word from him that, that we need to hear today. And so, Heavenly Father, we just go, come before you one more time. We thank you for your love and your gracious presence in our lives. Jesus, we ask you that your word would come alive in our hearts today, that we could understand it, but God, you could also remove just any obstacles that might be in the way that would cause it not to take root in our hearts. God, we just humbly come before you and say, God, if we're a little distracted today, <clears throat> excuse me, if we're a little distracted today, Lord, help us to focus and receive from you. God, if, you know, if there's stuff in the way, you know, Jesus used the example of like the rocky ground or the thorny ground, Lord, anything that would just cause this to be stolen or burned up or choked out, God, would you, would you just lovingly and gently just remove that stuff? May our hearts be good soil to receive what you want to say. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Be our teacher. Be our guide. Bring comfort and correction, both, wherever it's needed. And Holy Spirit, we're just entrusting you to empower us to grab hold of this and to live this out in our lives. Jesus, it's in your name we pray, amen, amen. All right, well, in Daniel chapter five, there's a lot of upheaval and turmoil going on. I wanna give you a little, little context that kind of sits behind this passage so you can have understanding because up to this point, you know, Daniel and his friends have been brought into captivity, and we've really been looking at Daniel's time under the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and Nebuchadnezzar had a long reign, and when his reign came to an end, things got chaotic. And so, kind of historically, you know, one of his sons ascends to the throne. That doesn't last more than about two years. And then another one of the king's sons has his brother assassinated so he can take the throne. And then that lasts about four years. So this is a lot of turmoil after a king who'd reigned for decades. Then um, one of his grandsons assumes the throne at a young age. So, so two sons, two years of reign, four years of reign. Then a grandson assumes the throne. He only lasts nine months. And there's another coup. And so now Belshazzar... Nebuchadnezzar's grandson is on the throne. This Belshazzar is most likely um, the son of Nebuchadnezzar's daughter, okay? Just to give you all some context here. And so in this story, when you see a queen, he, a, a queen comes in, that is most likely Belshazzar's mother and the daughter of Nebuchadnezzar, okay? So I wanna give you some context there. So in this story, Belshazzar is now king. And when we pick things up in the beginning of chapter five, um, the scene that we're introduced to is just a party, right? He's throwing a huge party. He's kicking the party off with a glass of wine and then the thousand lords and ladies who've gathered, um, they raid the very, um, they, they raid all of the stuff that Nebuchadnezzar had taken 
from the temple in Jerusalem. And they used the instruments that were meant to worship God and they used them for their party. They're, they're dishonoring the God of heaven using his stuff for their own party and revelry. And they're even worshiping and celebrating their gods using the instruments that were meant to honor and worship the one true God. So this is the scene going on. So um, he's on the throne in the midst of this upheaval and turmoil and something else is happening that we may not realize. As the king is partying, he's ignoring the very real and imminent danger that is lurking right outside his gates. The Medes and Persians, this empire, they are coming for Babylon. And in fact, at this very moment, they are outside the gates. Now the mindset in Babylon is like, we've got this incredible fortified city. It's hard even to penetrate. We've got all these systems of defenses. And so there is this sense like, we're gonna be okay. They even have ways where fresh water flows into the city. They can make it for like two years with just what they have inside the city. So to them, we're good. We have plenty, we're strong, we're secure. We're, we're not worried about those enemies out there. And so instead, we're throwing a party. We're ignoring the danger that's at our very doorstep. <clears throat> and so Daniel chapter five, verses one through four kind of record this party and what's going on. And now we're gonna pick this up in verse five. In the midst of this party, Daniel chapter five, verse five, immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way and his knees knocked together. I love just the visual picture there. He is terrified. It's rocking him to his core. You know, this is where we get that phrase, the writing is on the wall. Like even if you don't know this story well from the scripture, we have used that phrase now thousands of years later to say, hey, there's a big problem and the writing is on the wall if, if you'll see it. There's a huge problem and we're about to pay the cost. Now, before we get into Daniel showing up on the scene, I wanna help us recognize how, how relevant this should be to us in our everyday lives. Because the, the way that Belshazzar and, and his, his kingdom, his people are responding is actually how we all often respond in moments of upheaval and turmoil and crisis. They are either partying or panicking. They're either partying or panicking. Do you see that? They're, they're either distracting themselves with other things or they're devastated. They're, they're walking in, in either, you know, pleasure or fear. Friends, this, this happens in the world around us. And friends, it all too often, it happens in the church. Like when we look around and we're in times of crisis and turmoil, we can lean towards responding in these ways. Now, friends, this, this can be like big existential crisis, like worldwide global pandemic. It can be just turmoil that, that we might see in our country, right? Like there's, there's a lot of reasons to feel as if our culture is in decline and we're in trouble. 
And yet, even in the midst of that, there's plenty to distract ourselves with. Often we can just go, hey, I'm gonna eat, drink and be merry and not worry about it. And I'll just kind of live my own little life in my little bubble over here. It's, it's interesting to me that as, as chaotic as many things are in the world today, yet things like the stock market are exploding. Like it, it's easy for us to buy into the idea that everything is okay. But friends, it's also just as easy to freak out. And I, I fear that what much of the church is doing, how we're responding to the crisis that we see, it, it, it boils kind of down to like fear-mongering. Like we're so afraid of what's happening to the culture around us, we're trying to grab the wheel and swing it back and steer it this way and like and stir ourselves up into like, be afraid, be afraid of this, be afraid of that. Look what they're trying to do to you here. Look what they're trying to do to you there. And like the church is somehow trying to be spurred into action by being afraid of what's happening around us. Am I the only one that sees that happening? Maybe I am. We can fall into this, friends. We can either just look at it all and go, man, I just want nothing to do with it. So I'm just gonna focus on my own little life over here and not worry about it. I'm just gonna distract myself and move along. God doesn't call us to that. But God is not up there wringing his hands in a panic, wondering how it's all gonna work out. The kingdoms of this world come and go. He's the eternal king. And as his people, we're not meant to be oblivious to it, but we're also not meant to be drawn into panic and fear and worry. And so what, what I wanna do is as we look at Daniel this morning, just a couple of, wow, I'm having a little frog in my throat this morning. I don't know what the deal is. Let me just get a good cough. Hold on. Let's, let's see if that did it. <laughs> It doesn't even hurt. It's just like this little frog in my throat. So what I wanna do is let's, let's look at, at Daniel and what the Lord is doing behind the scenes in and through Daniel to maybe give us a path forward. How do we respond? Because here's the deal. Whether you agree with me or not about the crisis swirling around us in our country and in the world, how many of you know we will find ourselves in our own little mini moments of crisis? And I don't mean mini like they aren't a big deal to us. They are. I just mean there will be seasons in our own lives, in our own families, where there is upheaval and turmoil and crisis. And I believe there's a path for God's people to be able to navigate in the midst of crisis. So let's, let's see this. The first thing I wanna encourage you is this. Number one, God hasn't forgotten his people. He hasn't forgotten his people. See, the king, his response to all of this is he calls in his advisors and his enchanters and kind of verses seven through nine record this whole process. And as he calls all these people in that he's been leaning on and trusting in, you know, it's to no avail. And so there's even more panic and there's even more worry. And Daniel does not get called in the midst of this. See, Daniel was well known by King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel had a position of power and of influence but now after multiple regime changes, guys, Daniel has gotten old. He's an older man now. 
And in his old age, he's being viewed as someone from an old generation and he's kind of been pushed to the wayside. He's sort of been lost in the shuffle. These other kings now, they don't, they don't really know him. They aren't interacting with him. He's just sort of there, living in the midst of the crisis and upheaval with no influence, no voice, and no control. See, I think a lot of the way we have reacted in the midst of the pandemic is it's sort of being exposed how little control that we have And I fear for many of us, our response to that is to try to find a way to grab control. I can control this by fighting this, by standing up for that, by doing this. And we try to grab control. But Daniel allowed himself to just be where God had him. And even though he had been forgotten, kind of neglected, He wasn't really forgotten. God was present with him through all of it. For some of you, that might be the only thing you need to hear this morning. When you're stuck in the middle of crisis and there seems no way out and you can't seem to figure out what to do, how to respond, what decision to make, it can be a very lonely place. We can feel very abandoned. But friends, I wanna encourage you, even though you can't seem to grab control of the situation, God has got you. He's with me. He's with you. You're not forgotten and you're not alone. And so there is a person who remembers Daniel. Check this out. Verse 10 now. The queen, Nebuchadnezzar's daughter, Belshazzar's mother, the queen, she hears the turmoil that's going on. And so because of the words of the king and his lords, she came into the banqueting hall and the queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans and the astrologers, because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, who the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. See, even though Daniel had been forgotten and ignored by others, God was always with him. And there, there was a moment where he was called upon But see, even though it appears like Daniel was just kind of off to the side somewhere, there are actually some things he had been doing during this this time of kind of being forgotten and unseen and out of control. There were some things he'd been doing. I want to give you a glimpse of this. So so in the first six chapters of the book of Daniel, we see kind of the history. And then in the second half of the book, we begin to see all of these dreams or visions or prophecies that Daniel had. But in the second half of the book, those different dreams and prophecies came during different seasons of Daniel's life. And so the prophecies found in both Daniel chapter seven and Daniel chapter eight occurred during the reign of Belshazzar. While Daniel is seemingly lost and forgotten, God is speaking to him. 
Check this out. I want you to have a glimpse of this. Daniel chapter 7, verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Next chapter, chapter 8. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, Daniel, after that which appeared to me at the first. See, Daniel's saying in the midst of these years, just kind of behind the scenes, watching what's stirring around him, God is showing up in Daniel's life, giving hope, giving reminders, giving encouragement. These dreams are fascinating. They're they're reminders about stuff that God is up to in the midst of the craziness of this world. They're reminders, in fact, of of the future eternal king who is coming, whose kingdom will not end. That's what's happening in these dreams. And so Daniel remains faithful to being in God's presence, even though there doesn't seem to be any external benefit to it. Like he's just toiling along in anonymity. Yet he's, he's holding on to the Lord. He's spending time in God's presence and God's speaking life and hope and encouragement to him along the way. Another thing we see is, as Daniel's remaining faithful to the Lord, it's just this little glimpse. But at the end of chapter eight, after the second kind of dream and vision that he's had, it just, it gets summarized by this. After Daniel has this experience, he wraps it up by saying in Daniel eight twenty seven, I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Like, man, I was just overcome by this experience I had with the Lord. And then he said, and then I rose and went about the king's business, but I was appalled by the vision and didn't understand it. He's like, man, I'm, I'm having these glimpses from the Lord, but even those don't make sense to me. Have you ever been in one of those seasons where it's like, God, I don't understand what's going on around here and I'm holding on to you. And even the little glimpses I'm getting from you, even these little moments, I, just, I still just don't get it. I don't understand what's happening. But there's this little phrase where it just says, he continued in the king's business. Even though he seemed neglected and forgotten, he remained busy and he remained faithful. Friends, sometimes when we're just in that place of toiling and struggling, and turmoil, there, there's just something to be said for putting one foot in front of the other and trust in God. God, I, I can't see my way out of this and what's happening is beyond me, but you know what I can do, Lord? I can put one foot in front of the other. And you know, to, to me, when I read the Old Testament especially, you just see these unbelievable, miraculous moments. Like I'm going, man, I haven't had a big dream and vision like Daniel, like just these incredible moments. And we tend... I think sometimes I think these, these were happening, these things were happening to people all the time and they weren't. You know, Moses had these like 40 year periods between some of his encounters with the Lord. Like Daniel had a couple of dreams, but he had years of just kind of struggling along. Friends, I, I wanna encourage you when we are in crisis, God has not forgotten his people. We were just seeing this morning, his word is like a lamp to my feet. You know, I've thought about that verse a lot over the years. You know, a lamp, a little lamp, it just gives you just a little bit of light. You know, my, my cell phone now in the middle of the night when I'm roaming around the house and don't want to turn all the lights on, it's giving me just enough to navigate the Legos 
that I don't want to step on as I'm trying to get to the fridge for some water in the middle of the night, right? Like, that's what his word does. He just, he gives us enough for that next step. That's, that's part of how we trust in him in crisis. Y'all with me? Don't worry about being ignored. Don't be surprised when in crisis, other people around you are either partying or panicking. All right? Don't worry about being ignored. Don't be surprised that others don't recognize the times. Instead, let's do what Paul reminded Timothy to do. This is how we can be faithful and be busy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom... Now, I read that verse on purpose because Paul is giving us context. How do I remain faithful and stay busy? I remember the big picture fact that the king is on his throne and it's him who will judge and he's coming one day. And so in the context of God being bigger and beyond my present circumstances, then I can know what to do. Verse two, preach the word. Preach the word, proclaim the word of God. Guys, most of the preaching I do is to me. (laughs) I need to hear it. I need to be reminded of the truth. But when we proclaim the word, it encourages others who might be in struggle and crisis. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Like Daniel's been out of practice and he's about to get called into the king's throne room. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Why? For the time is coming when it's gonna be just like it was in the days of Babylon, right? When people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They'll help me keep partying or they'll stir up my panic. Anger is just as big of a passion that can get stirred up as being dissipated, drunk, partying. I'll heap up people who will stir up my passions and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Listen, we could preach and should preach all through all the details of that passage, but I just simply wanna sum it up like this. Paul is saying, don't be discouraged and don't be distracted. Don't get caught up in the party. Don't get caught up in the panic. Don't be discouraged and don't be distracted. God has not forgotten you. So be busy, be ready, be faithful. That's the call. That's the call in crisis. Fulfill the role in front of you and be aware and responsive to his presence. 
That's what Daniel did. He fulfilled the role in front of him. I don't know what his minor obscure role was under the reign of King Belshazzar. This was a guy who had been like the right-hand man of King Nebuchadnezzar. And now he's got this diminished role, but he was faithful in that role. He was faithful to do what got a place right in front of him. And in the midst of that, he was aware of and responsive to God's presence. Friends, we are not unseen. He sees us. The question in crisis is, will I see him? He hasn't forgotten me. Will I forget him? Or will I look to the Lord who sees me and knows me and is with me? And will I purpose to be aware and responsive to him? Number two, not only has God not forgotten his people, number two, God defines and strengthens his people. God defines and strengthens his people. So here's Daniel. He's suddenly being hurtled back into the king's presence and he's brought before the king and watch this exchange. This is now verse 13 of Daniel chapter five. Then Daniel was brought in before the king and the king answered and said to Daniel, you are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king, my father, brought from Judah. I have heard of you that the spirit of the gods is in you. Yeah, like three minutes ago, I heard of you. I've heard of you and the spirit of the gods that's in you, that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, they've been brought in before me to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and you shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Belshazzar says, I've heard of you and you're special. Though, of course, you're the last one I've come to. <laughs> I've heard of you and you're special. Look, he, his, his idea is to treat Daniel the way he treats everyone else. He wants to puff him up. He wants to puff up his importance. And then in puffing up his importance, he offers him a position of prominence and power and wealth. He's trying to offer him everything that the world has to offer. He's offering him things that won't last. I can give you a great position. I can give you a great reputation. Think how people will honor you as you're clothed in purple and you have, have these items I've given you. You can have great success. This is the offer. Friends, our reputation in this world the success that this world has to offer in this life, we shouldn't allow it to define us and we need to be aware it will not last. See, the, the world gets drawn into this and, and what's at the root of it is this really unholy exchange. The king's saying, I've got these wonderful things to offer you and like after toiling in anonymity to be given a place and a position of power and authority, even to be used by God. And, and what's the king actually looking for? What he can get out of the exchange. 
the king is wanting to use Daniel and he's encouraging Daniel to use him. We can both get something out of this. Man, we do so much of that. It permeates our culture and it permeates the church. Opportunities for power and voice and influence often just come out of what do I have to give? Or if we wanna use, use like real churchy terms, right? We elevate people because of gifting. See, the, the sad thing is the same way the world navigates to move people up into positions of success and power and influence, the church all too often does the same thing. And we elevate people into positions of power and influence and we make them just the Christian version of a celebrity and it's based in gifting. It's based in what I can get out of it. And so in the world, we accumulate leaders, uh, celebrities, influencers. And some of us even step into some of those places of influence and power. And we participate in this unholy exchange where we are using one another. We're using one another. It's, it's wrong. It's broken. Friends, we, we've got to be careful. Even, even when I'm, I'm recognizing maybe an opportunity where the Lord would have me be used in a situation, what is the motivation behind it? God, am I answering your call to step into something? Or am I just looking for an opportunity to promote myself? Friends, so many believers struggle with finding their place like in the body, in the church. We focus a lot on finding our, our passions, our giftings, our calling. And I'm not saying, not saying that stuff isn't important. But, but so often in our day and age, we look past the thing that should be first. Guys, what, what qualifies us to stand up and, and to serve and to lead, what qualifies us should be our character, not our gifting, our character. What if our, our country, when we, like, and I'm, I'm talking about the church now, what if in this country, in the church, the primary thing we were looking for was godly character in our leaders? What if the primary thing I was, I was thinking about in my home is, is Lord, is me, my spouse, with just even with our kids, God, am I pursuing godly character? Or am I just looking for control, getting things my way, arranging things the way I wanna have them, how can I accomplish certain things in my home, in my job so that it benefits me? Instead of saying, God, who am I? Who have you called me to be? What sort of person are you calling me to be right here, right now in this situation? Am I allowing myself to be defined by the way the world defines success? I don't even know if we realize how much we do this, how much we just, we look around at each other in order to measure success. You know, I'm wearing the clothes that person wears. I'm driving the car that person drives. I'm in the neighborhood that person's in. Like we just, 
We look around at each other to define what success is. None of that is what what true success is about. Who we are is what matters. It's God who defines us. Let's let him do that. Listen, the, the way that we walk this out, the way that we allow God to define us and to be strengthened by him is we allow him and his presence to come and change us. This is a little bit of what Paul's talking about to the Galatians in Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23. For the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Friends, as we have navigated individually and as the church has navigated some of the crisis happening in our country, some of the moral failing that is going on, how do we navigate the crisis of the pandemic that's going on? Let's have some honest reflection. Have I myself personally, have the leaders of the church conducted themselves like this? Is the thing that has defined the church's response in the midst of crisis been love? Is the church a beacon of joy in the midst of this difficulty? Have we been defined by our peace? Have we walked in patience? Man, I'm like 0 for 4. <laughs> Has the church been defined by kindness and goodness? I fear not. I fear not. Friends, our character matters. And see, here's what the Spirit does. The, the fruit of the Spirit, the result of the presence of God defining me and strengthening me is he refines my character. More and more as God is present in my life, as I am looking to him, Lord, how do you want me to be defined? God, these words are not currently defining me. I need help. I need you. And what does the spirit come and do? How does he do this? The the list continues. Paul keeps writing the very next verse. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. See, all too often I think we're stamping certain activities and behaviors of the church as spiritual when they're not It's just fleshly passions that are being stirred up to fight, to defend, to take a stand. And Jesus is saying, if you wanna know what it looks like to walk with me, your flesh, those passions, they're being crucified. And instead, you learn to be in step with me in my spirit. I begin to refine and change you. See, Daniel is about to have a voice and he is about to have some influence, but it's not because he's participating in this ungodly exchange. He 
He's standing apart from what's happening around him. Daniel is secure in who he is. And he's not going to fall for the false hope being offered to him by a broken kingdom. See, the, the, the power of being defined by God, the power of understanding that it's our character that matters, not our position, not our influence, not our gifting. When we realize it's character that defines us, this allows us to be gifted and used in any context. It allows us to be gifted and used in any context. Because here's the deal. When, when your character is where it should be, then you can be the same person in any situation. In the midst of temptation, I can be faithful and stand strong. In any situation, God can place me in any context in front of any person and because I know what it means to be defined by him and my character is defined by him, I can be that person he's made me to be in whatever moment I'm placed in. Y'all see this? Is this making sense? This can only be produced by surrendering and cooperating with the presence of God. It's, it's a death and a resurrection is what it is. I'm allowing things in me to die so that the life of Christ may be born in me so I can be changed, refined, made new. This isn't like flashy, exciting stuff. (laughs) It's just rooted in a life walking with Jesus. See, the truth is, as long as we are on this planet, sin is present, the day of his return is approaching, we're going to be in the midst of crisis after crisis, upheaval after upheaval, turmoil after turmoil. But because God has not forgotten me and because God defines me and strengthens me, I can be who he's called me to be in the midst of all of it. I find stability in him. And so look at Daniel's response to the king. Daniel five seventeen. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and I will make known to him the interpretation. Daniel didn't abandon the broken. He just didn't get drawn up into the midst of the brokenness. He didn't abandon the broken. He spoke truth because he was ready in season and out of season. He was ready to speak truth. But he was free from the enticements and the power that was being offered to him. Friends, let's allow God to define and strengthen us by being people of character refined by him. Last point, number three. God hasn't forgotten us. He defines and strengthens us. And point number three, God protects and elevates his people. God protects and elevates his people. The way that that Daniel navigates this, and I encourage you to read through it all, verses 18 through 28 kind of give us the conversation that he has with Belshazzar. There's three specific things that, that Daniel communicates in this exchange. Number one 
he tells the story of Daniel chapter four. If you missed it two weeks ago, we did a sermon called The Mad King. And he retold the story of Nebuchadnezzar's pride, the warnings of God, the judgment of God, and the mercy of God. He, he gave history. See, what he, what he did was he set, he set this moment in time in its proper place. He understood the big picture, and so he was able to see this moment specifically. Hey, guess what? Big picture, God warns people to be careful of pride. God warns people to be careful of not submitting themselves to him. And his judgment shows up over time. But he's truly a merciful God. He gives big picture. And then in the midst of the big picture, he then gives specific application. So the next thing he does is he says, hey, Belshazzar, you are doing just what your dad did. You're doing the same thing. And he even says to him, you knew this. You knew this. And yet history is repeating itself. They say hindsight is 2020. Like it's easy to look around and go, this is failing and I even know why because it, it's happened before. But do I see in the moment the application? See, here's the beauty of being immersed in God and his word and the story, the grand story that he's telling. When I have a sense of this whole big picture story, then it places me rightly in my moment in it. I can understand my, my current moment, my current context. In the midst of crisis, it's like, it's like an anchor. It helps me see where I stand. And so he shows Belshazzar, you're repeating the mistakes of your father. And then the third thing he does, he's got the big picture context. He recognizes the moment and what's happening. And then he has a word from God. He prophesies. He explains what God is trying to say. He speaks prophetically God's message in the moment. There was no good resolution to this particular story, not for Belshazzar, but David, or Daniel spoke truth in the midst of this. Now I want you to watch what unfolds next because Daniel is realizing that what the king's offering him isn't gonna last and doesn't matter. He's like, keep your gifts for yourself. Daniel also doesn't have a reason to be afraid even though he is currently in captivity to one kingdom and that kingdom is about to be attacked and fall. Yet watch how God protects Daniel through this. We're actually gonna read the end of Daniel 5 and into Daniel chapter six. We're closing with this. Then Belshazzar gave the command and Daniel was clothed with purple. He tried to put it all on him anyways, right? He gave the command and Daniel was clothed with purple. A chain of gold was put around his neck and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Next verse, chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Verse three, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. 
his character. He was a devoted man of God. He had entrusted his life to God even when he was hidden and seemingly unseen, inconsequential. He had been defined and strengthened. His character had been refined by God. And now, because of the excellent spirit that was in him, God arranged for him to be placed in a moment of prominence. See, I believe the reason Daniel was brought before Belshazzar had nothing to do with Belshazzar. The writing was already on the wall. His kingdom was coming to an end. What was his last act as king? To promote Daniel to third in the kingdom. What happens when Darius shows up and is trying to arrange how to govern these people? Oh, well, here's this guy who's one of the top three in the kingdom. I'll get him involved. And then he got to know him personally and saw his character and said, I'm gonna elevate him even be up above that. All the things we can, we can get lost trying to arrange for ourselves, position, power, authority, control, let me figure out how to get through this crisis to be better positioned in the future. It's a huge waste of time and energy. Instead, I can recognize the presence of my God who loves me. I can allow him to define me no matter what else is swirling around me. And I can let him shape and mold my character. And he will protect me through the crisis. And God will elevate me. But it won't matter because I don't need it. I don't care about it. None of that matters. I get him. I get to be his child. I get to be his son and his daughter so he can place me high or place me low and it doesn't matter because I'm rooted and grounded in him. God hasn't forgotten you, friends. He hasn't abandoned you. Don't let the crisis that you experience personally or the turmoil of these times cause you to be distracted or devastated. God has not forgotten or abandoned you. Let's let him define us and strengthen us. And friends, throughout our life, he will protect us and he'll take care of the positions we get placed in. Amen? Let's pray. God, would you, would you help us keep our eyes on you? God, help us not to get drawn off into pursuits and distractions that get us off track. Pursuing things that are not from you. God, in the midst of crisis and turmoil, the, the crazy times we're in, in our country, God, the crazy moments we can be in, in our jobs, in our homes. God, would you be our anchor? God, help us to remember that you've not abandoned us. God, would you help us to focus on the main thing, that you would be what defines us, that as your sons and daughters, we would allow you to refine and grow and change us more and more into to your character. God, help us to be both free of the ways of this world and yet present to speak truth in life to a broken world in need. Jesus, it's in your name we pray this morning. Amen.